0: Welcome to the Top Shelf Cookie Sniper Hockey Card Podcast. Welcome to the Top Shelf Cookie Sniper Hockey Card Podcast. I'm your host, Jay, and this is episode number 25, and it's shaping up to be a really interesting episode. What can you expect from episode number 25? Well, we'll kick things off with a little quick NHL news. Then in the next segment, I'm going to discuss some changes that if I was running upper deck hockey, what changes would I make to the product to make it better? So we'll go over some changes in this theoretical situation in my little fantasy world to make upper deck hockey a better product for the public. And finally, closing things out, I'm going to discuss a trade I made on my card post this week and let you decide if it was a good or bad trade. So we have a lot of interesting things to talk about. You know the drill, everybody. Let's get right into it. But before we get right into it, just a quick reminder that the Top Shelf Cookie Sniper Hockey Card Podcast is by no way, shape, or form a financial advice podcast when it comes to hockey cards or trading cards in general. This podcast is meant for entertainment value only, meaning that you should be entertained listening to a fool like myself give my opinions about hockey cards and what they're going to do. Now let's get into the episode. So before we kick off quick NHL news, I'd just like to take a moment to thank each and every one of the listeners out there because we're about to hit a milestone on the Top Shelf Cookie Sniper Hockey Card Podcast. We are very close to a thousand listens for this podcast In only 25 episodes. I know that's not a huge number in the world of podcasting. But when you're thinking, hey, after 25 episodes, I'd be lucky if I have 26 listens. I'm pretty happy with the fact that you all are checking out this podcast. It's growing on a daily basis. And that's showing in the numbers that we're receiving from all the analytics. So thank you to each and every one of you who takes time of your day to listen to a small hockey card podcast from some guy in New England who just likes to talk about hockey cards and what the hockey card market is doing. So again, thank you. Now let's kick off quick NHL news with kind of a little bit of a sad note. The Blues have fired Craig Barubi, their head coach. They're going to have Drew Bannister take over on an interim basis. The Blues are just following the recipe that a couple of other teams are doing this year. If you're struggling right out of the gate and can't get those wins on the board, you fire the coach. And let's see what happens. The Edmonton Oilers did it and it actually worked out well for them. Let's see what happens with the St. Louis Blues team. I don't think they have the talent that Edmonton has, but you never know. Maybe it just needs to be a new message in the locker room to get these guys going. In other front office news, the Wild have parted ways with assistant general manager Chris O'Hearn. Okay, there you go. That's all I have to say on that. Also, in Minnesota Wild Camp, wild gm bill Guerin is being investigated for alleged verbal abuse okay minnesota wild fans what is going on out there in minnesota your team stumbled out of the blocks now you have these issues with the assistant gm and now billy Guerin for saying something mean come on people we all know billy Guerin's kind of a rough guy but in 2023 bill got to be a little bit more careful Now, moving on. There was a trade recently in the NHL. The Avalanche traded Thomas Tatar to the Kraken for a draft pick. Now, Thomas Tatar is a great role player for any team. He usually fits in in that, uh, you know, line two or three. He's a good all around player. He can put pucks in the nets. This is a good trade for Seattle. He's a veteran presence that'll help them kind of get things back on track, hopefully. And lastly, Winnipeg Jets star Kyle Connor is expected to miss six to eight weeks with a right knee injury. That's a big blow to Winnipeg. Kyle started off the season great. He was putting pucks in the net. He was looking really good, so for him to go down with this injury it's definitely going to affect this team for the next six to eight weeks. Let's wish Kyle Connor a speedy recovery so he can get back on the ice and continue his good NHL season like he started so far. So segment number two is going to be a nice little theoretical kind of discussion, if you would. And what the discussion will be is things I would change about upper deck hockey if I ran upper deck. So the thought here is simply, what would I do to the upper deck hockey products to make it a better overall product in the hockey card market? or in the trading card market, I should say. So here are my suggestions and my plan to make this product a better one overall. Now the very first thing I would do with the Upper Deck product is simple. I would remove all mascot trading cards from all the products. Look, people, I understand why they're in there. They're a fun little nuance at hockey games, the mascots and things like that. In my NHL hockey card product, I really don't care about them. So this is quick and easy. Cut all mascot trading cards out of the product. Now, the second thing I would do is I would improve on the SP Authentic product, meaning this. They have probably one of the best autos in the NHL hockey market could be in the trading card market a lot of people love those future watch autos and I think the product surrounding it is lacking immensely with a strong insert like the future watch autos What I would do firstly is with the future watch auto design, I'd make sure to keep every year, even though they could be different, I'd want them to be crisp and clean, like that 2017, 18, where it's all white and the autograph goes on the bottom in the middle. That, That just looks so sharp. So I would kind of keep it around that, keep that future watch auto clean, not a lot of clutter. Then I would add better inserts to the product. I know they're trying to do that, but these inserts that they have in that product just don't work for me. They need to come up with some better ideas, whether it's, I don't know, more patch cards, more cards that are say like Panini, where there's different variations of certain cards. Maybe add inserts from other products that don't really need to be an upper deck stable of products, which is something we'll mention a little bit later. So right off the bat, like I said, get rid of the mascot cards is first, but then let's improve that SP authentic product to really capture how good that future watch auto card is, but make it worth paying the money that we're going to need to get a box of this with better inserts. The next thing I would do is I would remove all sticker autos from any hobby box that it costs over $150 US. Now the reason why I would do this is a sticker auto is the worst. And if I'm paying over $150 for a hobby box, the last thing I want is a bunch of sticker autos. Upper Deck would need to take the time to get these guys to sign on card. I don't know about most people, but $150 and over is not just, you know, chump change. So I want the best quality product for something that I'm shelling out decent money for. I'm not saying get rid of these sticker autos. This actually leads to my next point. I would improve... The retail products. Now, we've all seen the different, you know, blaster boxes and boxes you can buy in retail. And there's some interesting products or I should say cards that you can get in there but overall the cost is too high let's start there and secondly if I'm paying this much for a blaster retail box and my odds of getting an auto are one in a quadrillion again it's not that interesting to me so maybe we could do is start putting a little bit more sticker autos in the retail product to justify 30 40 50 dollars for this product so Get rid of the sticker autos out of the more expensive products. Put it into the retail product to make it more desirable to pay the money they're asking for. And that way, at least, you're not losing that sticker auto product, but you're encouraging more people to buy more retail product as well. To go along with that, another change I would make is simply add some kind of autograph to the Series 1 and Series 2 flagship products. Now, I know that those products are mainly used to get the Young Guns cards. And as I've told you before, that's my bread and butter. I love Young Gun cards. But you know what? I wouldn't mind seeing a really cool auto every once in a while in one of those products as well. Now, I'm not saying it needs to be in every single hobby box, but maybe it could be something like 1 out of, I don't know, 25, 1 out of 50 where an autograph pops up every once in a while, again, making it more interesting. Maybe even do something where you do a Young Guns where they sign 10 of theirs, like the buyback where they'll put out of 10 and they'll sign them. Something interesting. But again, let's get some autographs in that Upper Deck Series 1 and 2 product. Now, this next thing that I would kind of change or add to is something I'm surprised they haven't done already. If I ran upper deck hockey, the first thing I would do is go out and hire a great media team that could go out on all the social media platforms and promote me, whether it's Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, X, whatever they're calling it, Facebook. I would get a very strong online social media presence, and this would be very easy with the NHL game. It's a fast-moving, exciting game. Easy. To to display on quick 10, 15, 20, 30 second videos online. That's the attention span of all the newer generations. Let's flood that market with that advertising. Let's get some interesting players out in front. Someone like Austin Matthews is a great social media guy. Let's promote him. Let's show the world how great Connor McDavid's skills really are or how great of a goaltender someone like Jake Ottinger is. Let's highlight what the Stanley Cup is, what it represents, the history behind it. And you do all this by having a strong social media content. I can't remember the last time my son upper deck commercial on TV if there ever was one, where's that? Where is the advertising for upper deck? That is the huge change I would make is I would pump up my advertising budget for upper deck hockey and I would focus in on social media and get those quick cool slick clips out there of great NHL stars, plays, games and that will definitely draw more attention then to the hockey card product. Okay, so we've made some quick changes I think that a lot of people have already probably thought of. You're probably all thinking to yourself, well let's talk about the biggest change you should probably be thinking of. And that is what I would do to lower hobby and retail box costs now i understand how progress works you used to buy gas for a nickel or what have you but you know things get expensive as time goes on we've seemed to hit a price point with some of these boxes that are, it's just unrealistic and what i mean by that is people are shelling out big money for boxes and the return they're getting out of those boxes sometimes is sickening you could spend say a thousand dollars and over on the cup and you may only get about 150 to 200 worth of cards That's infuriating if you're shelling out that kind of money. Let's go over a quick little plan of maybe a couple of things I would do to lower the cost of these hobby and retail boxes. One of the first things I would do is I would cut down on the base card run to have smaller print runs. Now the base cards are cool you know we all look at them and they have some great designs but in the grand scheme of it all we're all looking for the hits in the packs. Let's thin down the base cards. Upper Deck did that this year with their Series 1. They have less packs and more cards in there which is a good idea but again I don't think I need 10 to 12 base cards in every single pack let's cut that down so we can cut some of the cost down to start now the next thing I would do and here's where it gets a little fun and maybe a little bit controversial but I would remove some of the product runs from the upper deck stable now what are those products that I would remove well here's my list the first product i would remove from the upper deck stable is simply the mvp product i don't like that product i don't think it serves any use other than it's a very cheap product to put out for a very low price point what you get for it not many people care the hockey market doesn't care the secondary hockey market doesn't really care about mvp unless it's a really huge card out of there and those are rare to find that would be the first one that i take off the shelves is mvp i would follow it up with synergy those two products are too close together maybe if you want to you know keep one of them that's fine but make them you know you see so a kid could buy them with his lunch money almost but again i would remove synergy product along with the mvp Now I thought those two were easy. Now let's get into some of the bigger products that I would remove. The first one I would take off the shelves is metal. I understand they have a cool insert in there with the PMGs, the numbered ones especially. Again, the overall product is not that good. The autos really don't look that great. The card itself, I've never been a huge fan of. And I feel like the hockey card market tolerates this product because, again, everyone just loves to rip something. So I would definitely take metal out of the lineup for upper deck hockey. Moving on to the next one that I would remove, I would remove SPX hockey. I think you have SP Authentic. I think that's a great product. Let's build on that. Maybe let's put some of the SPX inserts into the SP Authentic. Again, combine the good things to make a stronger product. But SPX as a whole it's a nice box to buy it just doesn't seem to really go over well in the trading card market get a few cards in a box type of thing and i understand there you go you're taking out all the base cards but what they're giving you at the end just isn't a strong product on its own so let's take it off the shelves and then lastly and this was a tough one for me but i think this product needs to go as well as i think we need to take artifacts off the shelf too now, Artifacts is a great product. They have some cool things in there. Obviously, the jersey patches that they have are really cool. But with that product, the issue is there's nothing, there's no staple to that product. You know, again, the Series 1 and 2 has the Young Guns. What is the artifact staple other than their jersey cards? So why do we have a product just for that? Why don't we take all these ones that we're going to take off the shelves, and again, let's put them into the stuff we're going to keep so that we'll have better inserts in our better products to make them overall a stronger product for the trading card market. Now if we take all these products off the shelves and we kind of put these inserts into different boxes that we're going to keep what would be the boxes that I would strongly highlight and the price points they would be at? Well let's start with the retail products. As mentioned before I would definitely keep the upper deck series one and two and I would try maybe keep one or the other two in there as well but again I need to improve it. Now with that being said, I would definitely put more autos in that retail product. And I would only have retail products sell no higher than $40 US. But again, we have to put things in there to make them worthwhile to buy. So let's start with the retail product and get that at $40 or probably lower. But let's put some more cooler things in there to draw more attention to that product. The next product run that I would definitely hold on to it's a no-brainer is the series one and two flagship product as i mentioned before i'd like i like where they're going less packs but let's get less base cards in there and maybe instead of six young guns maybe we go to four to five young guns but before you start you know you you close this podcast out with like wow this guy's an idiot here's the reason why is i would say that all series one and two hobby boxes should sell for only $100 US for both of them, regardless of who the players are in this product. Meaning if you have a year where, for instance, you have the typical run of uh, rookies in there and you're charging $100 for it. Well, when Conor Bedard gets into the series for the following year, you don't pump that thing up to Two, three, four hundred dollars U.S. You keep it at the hundred price point. This way, again, you're not just basically saying to the public, hey, because this guy's hot, I want you to pay more for my product because I know you're going to buy it either way. And he's a guy that everybody's going to want to chase. You know what that would be like is if McDonald's all of a sudden said, hey, our fries are going for a couple of bucks a box to $50 a box because guess what? Taylor Swift eats them all the time. And she feeds them to Travis Kelsey. I mean, it just doesn't make sense to me how this price could fluctuate just because of the players that are in there. Keep them the same price, regardless of who's in there. And again, if you need to take out a young gun or two to get that price lower, I'm okay with that. But again, let's make it stronger. Let's add some autos to it. Let's add some of the other interesting inserts from the products we're getting rid of to make this a more interesting product to buy. But as I mentioned hundred dollar price point regardless of what the talent pool is for either of those series. Next, I would keep Stature and I would sell it for about $125 US per box. Now, I know they're right about there now, and I, I think this is a solid product. I think their cards look great, their autographs are really cool, and they've added those, you know, rookie patch autos out of it's a small number that look amazing on those cards. I'm not even really gonna speak to this. I think that product is put together very well as is right now. I would add little tiny changes to make it better, but overall, I would keep it the same. Keep it at a $125 price point. Next, I would keep SP game used, I guess. But I would lower that price point. It's Actually, I keep it around the same to about $140. Now, I would definitely make sure that in there, majority of those patches were actual game used patches and not manufactured patches. So really push across the board if you would. But I think it gives you, you know, if that's what you're into is more the patch thing, then it gives you an avenue to go that route. And let's try to keep that price point around $140 US for that product. I would definitely keep the SP authentic with the future watch autos in there. But here's the difference again. I would only charge about $175 US for a box of that, regardless of who the player talent is. Again, stop raising prices on boxes just because a hot player is coming. If anything, you're going to sell more boxes of that either way. So your print runs are going to be a little bit bigger when a guy like Connor Bedard jumps on the scene. But stop fluctuating the cost or the price of these boxes for what you get in them. We've seen, SP Authentic boxes back, you know, in the COVID things where either people are paying three, $400, $500 a box and they're getting a nothing autograph in there. So again, let's keep that price point at about 175 But as we mentioned before, let's make this product a much better product than it currently is to get it to be more of a flagship product like Series 1 and Series 2 at a little higher price point than those two boxes. The second to last product I would keep is Premier. And I would sell that for about $300 a box, which is usually around where it sells for now. But I would also put in a couple of better things. I mean, their autographs, their rookie patch autos are amazing in there. I would make sure there's no sticker autos in that thing. I would have a few Easter eggs that you could get, uh, you know, chase cards that you can get. But that product's a solid product. And again, for $300 and what you typically will get in that, I don't have a problem with that. Because again, upper deck... We need to make money, too, <laughs> but wouldn't fluctuate the price point, again, based off of the talent pool that comes out. And lastly, I would obviously keep the cup because the cup is, a, is, is hockey's premier product, and they put out some great things. But here we go again, price point. The cup should probably sell for no more than $800 US. This thing where it's selling for $1,200 this this upcoming season. I don't know what kid's affording $1,200, but you know what, if we want people to buy these boxes, We need to keep that price lower without sacrificing the amount or the quality that goes into that product. We'll keep it at a premium price, but we're going to drop it down from that over $1,000 price to about $750 to $800. And then, again, it makes sure there's no sticker autos in that product. So there's a lot of changes I made in my first day as uh, acting boss at Upper Deck Hockey. What do you think about the changes that I'm proposing to make? Do you like them? Do you hate them? Again, am I just some fool spouting off some crazy kind of vision I have for the product that wouldn't work and nobody would buy into it and the product would fail? Well, either way, let me know. If you go to our Instagram page at Top Shelf Cookie Sniper Podcast, leave me a message, leave me a post. Let me know what you think about the changes I would make to the Upper Deck Hockey product and if you agree with them or you disagree with them. And there's the siren to end our period. Uh, But just like last episode, we're not done yet. We got to go back out there for a little bit of extra time. So let's drink some Gatorade and let's get back out on the ice and let's finish this thing off so to finish off episode number 25 i just thought i would talk to you about a trade that i made on my card post now again i've talked about my card post a number of times on here i think it's an unbelievable website that you all should check out basically if you don't know what it is my card post is simply a website you can go on where you can post your cards you can either sell them Or you can trade them. Now you can trade them straight up for other cards. You could trade them for cards and cash. Or someone could just trade you your card for cash or just buy it outright. It gives you a lot of options that you can do to get the card that you're looking for. And maybe not shell out a ton of cash where you can get some of these bigger cards that you really like. I've used this website a number of times. Uh, the gentleman that runs it, Mark, I think he's doing a great job. He's always adding new things to make it a better website, a more functional website. So, Mark, kudos to you. Okay, enough about the website. What was the trade that I made? Well, what I traded away was a 2020 Kale Makar Metal Auto, and it was a CSG 10. Now, this isn't his rookie year card, and it's not numbered, so keep that in mind. Along with that, I traded a 2016 SP Authentic Nikita Kucherov auto, not numbered or anything, and that was the second card in the deal that I gave up. Now, what did I get in return for those two cards? Well, I received an Austin Matthews Young Guns rookie card, BGS 9. So what do you think of that trade? Do you think it's a fair trade? Do you think... The other person got the better deal. Do you think I got the better deal? Or again, was it right down the middle? The reason why I got this card is, uh, you know, it's pretty simple. Look, Austin Matthews is having a great season. I'm kind of loading up on Austin Matthews because I, I think he's one of the top five players in the NHL. I love his game. I love his social media content. I, love, You know, everything about him. So I think he's going to have a great season. And I want to have a number of these cards in my stable that I can basically sell off when it gets towards the end of the season. There you have it. There's the trade I made. As I mentioned in the previous segment, let me know what you think about it. Go on our Instagram page, Top Shelf Cookie Sniper Podcast. Let me know what you think about this trade. Well, there you have it, folks. That's the end of episode number 25 of the Top Shelf Cookie Sniper Hockey Card Podcast. As I mentioned before, I'd like to thank each and every one of you who takes the time out of your day to listen to this 20-minute plus-or-minus podcast about hockey cards and listening to my different rants and raves and maybe some stupid statements that I make. But you know what? At the end of it all, we're having a conversation about hockey cards, and that's something I know I love to talk about, and it's nice to find some people out there who like to listen about these things that interest me when it comes to the hockey card market. So if you haven't already done so, you know what to do. Give this podcast a follow. Give it a like. Share it with your friends, your neighbors, your relatives. Again, the more people we get involved into this discussion, the better it will be not only now, but in the future. If you like this episode and want to check out some of our past episodes, go to any of the podcast platforms and listen to previous episodes of the Top Shelf Cookie Sniper Hockey Card Podcast. So that'll do it for the episode today. Again, thank you to each and every one of you. Now, you know what to do. Go get your popcorn. Go get your Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. I love Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. And go get comfy on your couch and check out some NHL hockey that's on the TV currently. So for the Top Shelf Cookie Sniper Hockey Card Podcast, I'm your host, Jay, signing off, and we will see you soon.